This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 Ring by Spring podcast with uh, Kendall Cout. Kendall, how you doing? We've done. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, good to catch up. What's what's going on in your life? Uh, glad to catch up. Excited to see Baylor KU at Allen Fieldhouse. I think I continue the streak of being the longest um, non-employed by a team from KU or Baylor of going to those games. I think this will be my, I want to say, seventh or eighth in a row that I've been to both. I've been to every Waco and uh, Lawrence game, so I think that's a streak that nobody else matches. Well, you saw a win, right? You you, you went there when uh, Baylor won in uh, 2020. Is that correct? That was the that was the last one I did not attend. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. Well, may, maybe uh, that won't have anything to do with the outcome on Saturday. This isn't as good of a KU team as Baylor's faced in the past. I mean, they are vulnerable, and nobody's gotten them at home yet, but uh, they've shown a few cracks. There, there's been some teams that have played them pretty tough at home, including TCU. Uh, somebody else played them close. Uh, maybe Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, I was at that game. Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati played them pretty close. They blew out Houston. Not not surprising. I You know, I thought they would uh, – have have a uh, you know an extra level against them you know just because they weren't favored and and that's only the second time they've been an underdog under Bill Self at home. Did you know that? Uh, I did not realize there was a. I'm trying to. Oh, it was the Baylor game in 21 the other time? Yes, four point favorite, and uh, they they beat Baylor by 13 points as well. I think. I, th- I think. Yep, that was I was at that one. one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know they don't they don't like being an underdog, but they will be a favorite on. Uh, on Saturday, uh, Ken Palm has it seventy-seven to seventy-four. I imagine the odds makers will probably put a bigger number on that than just three. Uh, but you know, the, you know, Baylor um, is battle-tested. They've played a lot of close games. They've been in some hostile road environments, including you know two neutral games that were pretty, pretty uh, friendly to the uh, other team. You know, Michigan in uh, Detroit, Michigan State, and then of course the Duke game in Madison Square Garden, which was a huge advantage for Duke uh, crowd-wise. How do you think the Bears are going to do? Are you, are you do you think Ray J. Dennis being a um, fifth year guy is going to be a calming presence, and that they have enough experience? Jalen Bridges has played up there plenty of times. Uh, do you think that's going to matter, or do you think this is going to be a, a really tough ask for the Bears to come out of here with a win? I think it'll be a tough ask, and I think you frame it well. I think there are kind of three big questions that frame this game for me, and I've got a preview that'll be up on the site tomorrow where I look at ten questions that are all kind of subsets of these. The first is what you mentioned, Ashley. Is there something about Baylor that makes it a really bad road team this season? Um, certainly, we don't have to spend any more time there. You covered that quite well. The second is, is Allen Fieldhouse and the mystique of the building and how well KU plays there just too much for Baylor. Obviously, the Bears' sole win there was when they won 23 straight Big 12 games with a lineup that uh, was only matched by the next season that won a national championship. If you were going to take the contrarian take and say Allen Fieldhouse isn't just dominant against Baylor, you might argue that Baylor's had some shots to win. And if you play those games out 10 times, Baylor might have won those ones. So in 2010, Epe Udo gets a couple bad foul calls. Corey Jefferson, as a freshman, comes in and plays well. Baylor makes that game close down the stretch against the KU team that was number one in the country. Uh, 2018, King McClure doesn't get a foul call that he should have gotten. The whistle wasn't great the last four minutes. Baylor loses. 2017, the year before, Baylor's up at halftime. Uh, Joe Luol Achuil plays horrible defense on Josh Jackson, gives up a shot. And then uh, Al Freeman went under a screen on Frank Mason. Baylor loses. So they've had opportunities to win, sometimes at Allen Fieldhouse. But you'd even say the close misses would mean Baylor with really good teams would be more like 3-11 and over the last 14 years instead of 1-13. and sure. So I think that kind of sets the first framing. And then the second one is, where do you kind of put KU? 
And there'd be one school of thought that would say KU's been terrible on the road, awesome at home. And there's another school of thought, though, that would say since Johnny Furphy, the Australian freshman, has entered KU's starting lineup, I think they're like number five on Bart Torvik since the middle of January when he's played. Uh, KU plan to start Arturio Morris, um, obviously, shockingly, as I put it in my story tomorrow, shockingly. He had off-court issues. Who could have Who could have ever first seen Arturio Morris? T- tough one to predict, yeah. Yeah, could face criminal prosecution or the potential for criminal prosecution. So with him gone, they tried to insert Amaro Jackson in the lineup. Uh, really wasn't happening for him. Furphy's been excellent offensively. Been the Ken Palm MVP, I think, three out of like eight games he started. So he's been dominant. Really hit threes well, but he doesn't defend super well. So you can look at what KU's been since Furphy. Blow out Houston, play a lot of teams close. When they lose the game in Manhattan, it's just kind of like, you know, Jerome Tang has some sort of magic going on where uh, somehow KU and Baylor both lose there when they were astronomically better teams. Yeah. So I think you got to evaluate what do you think the Furphy KU team is with him in the starting lineup versus the others. And you really got to dominate those minutes where uh, one of KU's starting five is not in the lineup because everybody that comes off the bench for KU, especially Parker Brown, the less talented brother of the uh, of Christian Brown, and the rest of KU's lineup, like Nick Timberlake, transfers up from Towson, horrible player. Uh, you really got to find a way to take advantage when those guys are on the court. Yeah, I agree. It's you know it's interesting. Their road tr- uh, woes are are pretty amazing. I, I think the only road win they have is against Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, in Indiana. Yep, that's correct. They beat Indiana. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Uh, you know they, they they pounded Oklahoma State pretty good. They they destroyed them in Stillwater. But we know that's not any you know home home court advantage for. Uh, Boykin and, and the Cowboys. I mean, they're they're drawing really terrible crowds. I mean, that looks like a, a terminal situation for him. Um, so you know, probably more Kansas fans there than than uh, Oklahoma State fans. But at UCF, they lose a game by five. They lose by six to West Virginia. They lose a close one to Iowa State, and then uh, Kansas State gets them. So all these games have been close, but um, you know they they are losing these games, and and so at home. Uh, we were talking, I think, before we started um, the podcast, Cincinnati played them tough, and then uh, they pretty much uh, handled everybody else um, except for TCU. TCU had a shot to win. Probably you would argue should have won, and uh, they got a pretty favorable um, whistle down the stretch. U- UConn, you know, should have probably had, had their chances against them as well, but they do, they do get that win. That was a big win for them. UConn may be the best team in the country uh, right now. So I mean they're 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 good, um, certainly good. But uh, you know you mentioned Furphy, he's trending up. Kevin McCuller is somebody that's is trending down a little bit. Uh, he he had you know some good games through mid January against Cincinnati. He goes um, three for eleven from two point shots, two two for six from three point shots. You know so so he's five, five for eighteen from the field against Iowa State. Uh, against Houston, has a pretty good game. He, he shot it well in that game, uh, seven for eight. You can't get much better than that. And then Kansas State, he's uh, six for eighteen. So, um, you know, I, I mean, he's had he's had some uh, struggles from the field. Um, high usage guy, you know, his offensive uh, production efficiencies down. You know, the, over the last four or five games, I know he had an ankle sprain. I think that held him out for the Oklahoma State game uh, at home. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Baylor controls him. Uh, KJ Adams is starting to play really well. You know, Hunter Dickinson's going to be a problem for our bigs. Obviously, if he if he gets it low in the block, he's he's hard to stop. Uh, but our bigs are pretty athletic. You know, they may bother him uh, just with their activity on both ends of the court. Uh, 
Dewan Harris, that, that that was one of your questions you texted me. You know, do we just let him shoot and uh, take our chances guarding everybody else and force him to be a scorer? He's proven against Baylor in the past that he can do that. You know, he can he can score, uh, but but this year, you know, he much prefers to facilitate, and and his offensive numbers are down a little bit as well. Uh, you know, those are the key questions, and and if Baylor's going to win, they're going to have to certainly, you know, play their A game to to knock Kansas off at home. Uh, absolutely, good layout, Ashley. I think with everything you've discussed, it's imperative Baylor makes all those guys jump shooters. Uh, Kevin McCuller has been exceptional at getting to the line. Uh, but in the games KU's lost, he's not made more than one free throw uh, in any Big 12 game. And that really has set the tone for why KU hasn't been successful in a lot of those road games because he doesn't get to the line very often. Dewan Harris, same deal. I mentioned in my story tomorrow that in that loss Baylor had uh, to KU back in 2020, or 2020 in Waco, I thought they really messed up not just letting Marcus Garrett shoot threes because he'd had a hot game against Oklahoma the night before. Dewan Harris has a pretty good percentage from three. But he waits a second, makes sure nobody else is open, and then fires, which means you can really recover late on him as a shooter. And I would, I mean, if Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller make 10 threes on Saturday and you lose by 30, uh, who cares, right? That's not any different than losing by eight because you let him get to the free throw line 15 times. Right. So I think you just got to say, try and make it as close to a jump shoot battle as you can. And Baylor's a better jump shooting team than KU. If you make it a, you know, as Kip Kissinger or Keith Kemble or whoever's going to officiate the game, Going to give you a more favorable whistle in Allen Fieldhouse than KU. I don't think you want to be in that battle. <laughs> to say the least. So, um, what do you think about the way Baylor's played these last three games? I, I think, you know, after that uh, three-game losing skid, all close games, they, they drop them all. You know, it seems like they've figured a few things out. Uh, they've been able to close games out uh, against UCF. Uh, UCF was shot, shooting the ball incredibly well that game, and uh, they're able to – uh, make some really, you know, really efficient offense down the stretch. I mean, I was very impressed with how their composure and how they closed that game out uh, on the road. And then the Iowa State game, what a fiasco that was because of the officiating. They're up uh, 12 at half, and I believe they go up what, maybe 15 or so. Uh, or maybe I'm wrong, but but I know Iowa State went to the free throw line 17 straight times to start the second half, 17 to 0 in free throw attempts versus Baylor. And uh, technicals galore, lots of, you know, pretty uh, cheap fouls. You know, just Iowa State's one of those teams that fouls you almost every possession and uh, plays very aggressive on offense too, so they can, they can draw fouls. But, um, you know, certainly it seemed like the officiating was um, – not your Allen Fieldhouse home home officiating to say the least, uh, but the Bears get it done. They they win that one by two, and then Texas Tech, um, you know, up by fifteen with four minutes left, and and again, you know, let their foot off the gas a little bit, and end up winning by six, uh, but pretty much had that game in hand with the at the four minute mark, and Texas Tech made it interesting at the end, but uh, for the most part, the Bears took care of business there. All right, do you like? Um, you know, defensively and offensively, are you seeing improvements, or uh, do you think it's maybe just better offense than the three-game losing uh, skid? I think Baylor is shooting the ball better overall in those games, which matters some. But I do think the offense is better. I think Jaden Nunn uh, has really gotten yeah. going since that Iowa State game. His confidence is there. I had an article on Baylor's pick-and-roll attack, which I know got kind of buried um, on the message board today with the news that Gary Patterson is a <laughs> bleeds green and gold, uh, which is respectable. 
<laughs> yeah, but I've really been impressed by Jaden Nunn's aggressiveness. I also thought he did an excellent job running the pick and roll. He puts his defender in jail really well. So impressive stuff from Nunn. So I think that's transferable. And the hope for Baylor that I think is going to come around is Jacoby Walter's not making shots. Well, we know he's an excellent shooter. We know he's going to end up making these eventually. And so I always look at where's somewhere that I could see the team improving. Where could I see the team declining? And I think Jacoby Walter's going to make shots again. And when he does, that's an extra six points a game for Baylor. And you feel like the Bears can then be in the thick of the Big 12 race and have a shot to win some games in the NCAA tournament. So I'm excited about that. I still am worried about the defense. Uh, you know, does Baylor play zone a little bit more? Well, they're not super long at certain positions. That makes you a little bit worried. And then on defense, you know, sometimes the effort is not where you would want it from the Bears. So that's my biggest concern going forward still, Ashley, is the defense is getting a little bit better. But it's, to me, not at a championship level right now. Yeah, they they got to make some big strides there over the next uh, 30 days. No question about it. Uh, you know, Kansas would be a great time to start. And, uh, you know, hopefully they get an inspired defensive effort against the Jayhawks. Uh, you know, we're 6-3 and three at the turn, the Bears are. And tied for first place, a, a half a game behind us, you know, Houston and Iowa State. Is that right? I think Iowa State has seven wins as well. Yes, that sounds right to me. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and maybe Kansas too. Um, I, I, I mean, KU, I think, is six and four right now. Oh, that's right. They're six and four because they lost to Kansas State, right? Uh, so, yeah. So, so uh, no, Iowa State's six and three also. So, Houston is a, a okay. half a game ahead. Uh, they've played one more game than anyone else at this point. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the, the bears, I think I, I actually kind of like their schedule on the back end here. Everyone's talking about how tough it is. Obviously going to Kansas is the toughest game for any team, uh, on the road, but you know, the bears don't have to go to Houston. They don't have to go to Iowa state. They don't have to go to Cincinnati. You know, those are three tough places to get a win. Obviously TCU is not going to be easy. Texas tech's not going to be easy. BYU is not going to be easy, but in my opinion, I would prefer those three venues over the three that I just mentioned, Houston, Iowa State, and even Cincinnati. Would you agree with that, or do you, do you think I'm overrating Cincinnati as far as a home environment? No, I think I think Cincinnati's very good when it's good. I think Cincinnati reminds me a lot about Baylor. When it's really going for Cincinnati, they're great. When it's not going for them, you're like, oh, man, this isn't happening. So I'd agree with all that. I mean, to me, every team but Oklahoma State can always beat you if you play a B game. Right. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma State's just – it's shocking Baylor played a close game against the Cowboys, um, given how bad Oklahoma State is. Because West Virginia, which we'll talk about, I know a little bit more. UCF, I've been super impressed with. Like, I think Dawkins definitely deserves another season Yeah, with how he's managed things well there. And then B- shot to B.J. Taylor when he did the play-by-play for that game. I thought that guy was spectacular. He was good. I can't remember a, yeah, I can't remember a visiting, because he's normally a UCF guy. I can't remember a visiting broadcaster or somebody who rarely calls Baylor games that I thought, man, this guy watched a lot of Baylor games or talked to some people to get ready for this one. So, you know, we hate a lot of the announcers. We hate a lot of the officials, but we got to credit it when we see something good. Yeah, he's good. Um, and I got to give King McClure credit in that regard too, because oh, I've yeah. listened to a few games that King's done that were not Baylor related. Obviously he knows Baylor really well, but uh, he does his homework too. So uh, shout out to King McClure and BJ Taylor. They do a really good job of, of uh, being prepared and, and, and offering interesting insights and, and we can't always say that for every for every guy that does uh, these uh, Big Twelve games. Um, you know, as as we look at um, the the road ahead, the next four, I I don't know about you, but I'd be really happy with three and one. Uh, you got you got three road games there. 
Uh, Kansas, um, you know, is, is the lowest probability to win. Although actually Ken Palm says BYU is even a lower probability than Kansas, but, but I don't believe that. Uh, so, so you got BYU and Kansas really tough road games. West Virginia is one that you should be favored, but we know they're a tougher at home. And then you got a home game against Oklahoma that you'd be expected to win, but Oklahoma's not an easy team to, to put away. And, and that's another one we don't have to go to. So I'm, I'm kind of glad we don't have to go see them on the road. I mean, is that is that kind of best case scenario if we go three and one headed into that uh, big game against Houston uh, on Saturday, February twenty fourth? Yeah, I think it's very difficult to ask to beat both KU and BYU. I mean, pretty much impossible to ever ask Baylor to beat KU at Allen Fieldhouse. Obviously, happened once. You hope it happens more. But I kind of look at it if Baylor can go two and two. I think they're still in that Big Twelve race. Given yeah, they can deal Houston a loss. And every time I watch Houston, I get confused between. Is this secretly an amazing team that has just a couple bad nights? Or is Kelvin Sampson just such a maniac that the guys think he's going to murder them if they don't just pound every bad or mediocre team by 20? And so Gary Parrish likes to call teams computer trickers. Yeah. I think I think there's a chance, you know, Houston's more like the seventh best team in the country, which is still awesome, but maybe not just the dominant number one team. And our buddy Evan Maya uh, actually has Houston number two below Purdue even with his analytics system. And then the other computer trigger, I think to a degree is BYU, a good team, yeah. but probably closer to team 20 than hovering around the, you know, low single digits, top 10 range that they've been in. Obviously they were very high up earlier in the campaign. And I think that's still affecting BYU. Good team cuts very well. could beat Baylor, but I don't think BYU is at the level that they are in the analytics right now. Yeah. I, I didn't see any of that game against uh, Oklahoma. Cause I think our game was going on around the same time, but, uh, I know uh, Traore makes a big difference for them at, you know, 6'6", 250-pound, um, you know, forward center they have, and he just carves out space so well. And, and, and I know in their wins he's been, you know, really instrumental. Uh, they went to West Virginia and pounded them. They pounded Texas, and, and you know, he was really good in both those games and, and pretty good against Houston when they, they lost that home game to Houston. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you know, you lose by 16 at Oklahoma. Uh, to me, that says, you know, you're probably not as much of a contender as people are saying. You know, they're four and five in the league right now. I think Baylor, you know, has a, has a pretty good shot of picking them off, even even though it's tough to win there. But but Houston's won there. Uh, Cincinnati won there about 11. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely something that you can do. And, and uh, you know, I, I would expect the Bears to give them a really good fight West Virginia, you know, that's always a dicey place to go get a win. Uh, hopefully the, the Bears will do it for Jalen Bridges and, and give them another uh, night of redemption like they did last year. And then, you know, Oklahoma, you know, we don't know the status of Langston Love. He could be out for a game or two. Uh, you know, I think it's probably a coin flip whether he plays against Kansas or not. You know, I'm sure if he's able to play and play effectively, he will. Uh, maybe a op- great opportunity for Merrill Little to step up and, and get some big minutes. But uh, – whether Lanks is there or not, you know, he should be back very soon. And, you know, I, you know, I think uh, we should have everybody, you know, hopefully healthy as, as we hit, enter this stretch run. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, so far been, been a pretty fortunate year as far as injuries are concerned. And, and really across the conference, there hasn't been any major injuries. That's been awesome, given how many injuries Baylor's had these last few years yeah. to not deal with. Certainly, John is not where he was, yeah. but I've also really enjoyed getting to see him play a couple minutes a yeah. game. Yeah, makes me happy every time he checks in. Yeah, Caleb's played well as he's come in. You know, just for some, some, uh, you know, five to eight minutes a game. I think he's playing his role well. 
Uh, Josh is improving. You know, he's he's taking strides. You know, Eve has been on fire. You know, we we you know Jacoby's had a tough you know nine game stretch here in the you know to start the Big Twelve, particularly the last four or five. He's he's not shot the ball well, uh, but like you said, you know, he's done a lot of things well. He's he's a great player. He's he's probably getting the the first or second best defender on the other team, and, the, and you know they're certainly trying to scout him and take away the things he does well because they know what a you know potential uh, you know twenty point you know twenty five point scorer he is every night. Uh, but you know if if he can if he can get going the second half of the uh, conference season, I mean it could really bode well for for Baylor as they enter post game uh, postseason because you know he's probably the key to our upside. He and Eve if they, if Eve continues his uh, evolution. And Josh and Jaden, you know, these guys that haven't had as much Big 12 experience. Ray J's playing better uh, the last few games as well. You know, all, all these guys playing together and, and, and being through the first half of a Big 12 season, I, you know, should, should pay some dividends in the second half of this uh, conference race. Yeah, and I feel so much more optimistic, Ashley, right now with the squad than I did two weeks ago. Yeah. There's still improvement for him, but the way that I thought the team responded – with Scott Drew getting injected, yeah. showed that they had a toughness they really, I don't think, had displayed yet this season. Down seven. Yeah, you could have easily folded and lost that game. The crowd was huge, gave the Bears a big lift. Ray J was really good down the stretch. Got to hit your free throws. We got to get better there, closing games out. We're not, we're missing free throws in, in critical times, but uh, I think that'll come. Uh, Eve, shout out to Eve, man, against Texas Tech. Seven for eight from the free throw line. Missed his first one, I believe, and then made his next seven. And uh, there was one point I think Ray J. Dennis got fouled and, and was supposed to go to the free throw line, and Eve just went up there and, and said, hey, man, these free throws are mine. Give me the ball. And uh, we might have been better off if he had shot those because I think Ray J. missed one of the two. <laughs> I love watching Eve Missy play. He's my favorite bear on the team, right? He's my favorite guy who gets minutes. I obviously will always have a soft spot for John with the championship team yeah. uh, and the following season and what he's gone through. But I just love watching Eve Missy play basketball, the lobs how he works on defense. He just seems to exude joy. So been a fun year to watch him play, but I feel pretty confident. He'll, I think he's going to end up being a top 10 pick. That's maybe a hot take for some, but I think he'll go in the top 10. He's trending well, and, man, he's doing some things that you don't see big guys do a lot, like putting it on the floor, finishing at the rim with really athletic moves. And, uh, you know, if he keeps that up, that's, that's, that's going to be hard for teams to ignore for sure. And especially given the fact, I mean, they're saying it at, at nauseum every game, but – He's only been playing basketball, organized basketball, for two and a half to three years. So uh, it's pretty amazing. He's as good as he is. I mean, he is a special talent. Yeah, it's, it's definitely joining Jake Lindsay's father was a GM. Rico Gathers didn't have <laughs> to wait before he got to Waco. Tweedy Carter played varsity basketball in seventh grade. Right. I don't know if we have anything else that's reached that legacy, but I think Eve Missy and his uh, time playing basketball with the broadcasters is definitely going to hit that threshold someday. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so any, any, uh, hot takes on the Gary Patterson hire? That was an interesting, uh, you know, tidbit. I heard that Saturday at the, uh, basketball game and, uh, and, and I actually saw someone, a senior athletic official at halftime and asked, asked them about it. And they said, yeah, that's, that's probably going to happen. So, uh, kind of interesting that it's, uh, materialized and, uh, certainly makes for, you know, some pretty entertaining, um, you know, Baylor TCU talk. Uh, I don't know if you followed that thread on Sikkim 365 with uh, Dallas Bear 21 putting a shirt and yes. uh, putting a hat on uh, the Gary Patterson statue at uh, TCU, almost getting arrested, having an encounter with uh, TCU security and police officers. That was pretty entertaining. 
That is absolutely spectacular. I'm a fan of the hire. Gary Patterson built good defenses. He's going to have every incentive to beat TCU, which has been the thorn in Baylor's side since Baylor made their runs to the BCS Bowls back in that era in the New Year's Six Bowls. Right. And TCU fans want to be like, oh, he's a traitor. He betrayed us. Y'all fired him. It's right. not like Gary said, oh, I want to take a step back. Shout to that song, incredible song. <laughs> it's listening to it's, his day, and I was so like, this, this is a Baylor man singing right now. <laughs> so it was an elite song, but they fired the guy. He yeah. didn't say, oh, I want to wind down and do a little bit less work later on or oh it's time to pass the baton they fired the guy i don't know understand why he's precluded from going to texas or baylor or anywhere else in fact i kind of appreciate that i think it shows the hunger he has to get a program again and to help win that he's saying no i know the big 12 i think probably to a guy like him who's so competitive he's probably thinking to hell with them i still had a lot in the tank i brought you from the mountain west conference to almost a national championship and you fire me to bring in a guy who uses the transfer portal with my own guys to play for the Natty. And I'm going to show you that we can turn it around at one more place. And as I tweeted online, he wants to be at the Bex Texas Christian university. So <laughs> he's coming to Baylor. So I'm, I'm team GP. I'm shocked with all the people he blocked on Twitter that I was never blocked by Gary Patterson, <laughs> Me either. but you know, yeah. yeah, just, we, I guess he, he was a bear deep down and I'm happy after the terrible 20 plus years at TCU where he was living a lie every day. He finally gets to live out his truth as a Baylor bear that he always was. <laughs> it is kind of funny because uh, Kendall Bryles is at TCU and I'm blocked by Kendall Bryles on Twitter, but I'm not blocked by Gary Patterson, who is now at Baylor. So that's uh, that's, that's good stuff. Um, I blocked uh, Kendall Bryles and Levy before they'd have the chance. He's <laughs> smart. Next level, man. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm avoiding any money bags on my timeline, though I don't think there'll be six after six at Mississippi State, but we – we want to take shots at Levy. We would just, uh, you know, coach Ole Miss and watch them pound him. <laughs> so I, no, nobody needs to worry about that. Well, yeah, I heard something interesting about Levy um, that kind of surprised me because I've always had in my mind the narrative that you know Kendall Browse was a pretty cool guy and you know players liked him and that may be true, uh, but that that uh, Jeff Levy was was <laughs> you know like spying on the sidelines, you know, just, I mean, just maybe, you know, the, the son-in-law that, you know, got the job, you know, because he was related, you know, to, to, to our Bryles and, you know, maybe, maybe not as uh, a, a little bit more of annoying personality. I, I mean, that's always what my, my, in my mind, you know, things were, but somebody that knows both of them pretty well um, said, no, you got it. You got it twisted. Uh, you know, Jeff Lebby's a great guy and, you know, I'd say nothing but great things about him and I don't have much good to say about Kendall Bryles. So that was kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, that was one person's opinion, but they were pretty intimately aware of that situation. So I, I thought that was, uh, you know, kind of fascinating. So yeah, Blake Shapin's cast his lot with, uh, Jeff Lebby. So we'll see how he does. He's obviously had some success with quarterbacks in the past and it's probably going to be a very, uh, quarterback friendly offense. And if he even wins the job and, and, is the guy there, then, you know, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch how he does. Ray J Dennis, speaking of uh, one more football comment, uh, had a lot of good things to say about Taquan Finn when he came into the studio after the uh, crushing TCU loss. Uh, we tried to keep the basketball talk to a minimum. We did talk a little football and he's got, you know, pretty good relationship with Taquan Finn Baylor's new quarterback from Toledo. Uh, they were there at the same time together and he had pretty glowing things to say about him. So, uh, Hope Springs Eternal for football. Uh, hopefully they'll have a much better season than last year. And if they don't, it'll be uh, Dave Aranda's last season for sure. <laughs> it will be, but with Gary Patterson there, 
Spav. I, I don't know. I was about as negative as possible about yeah. football uh, last season. I got to tell you, I didn't think it would win me over. Yeah. But all it took was Gary Patterson betraying TCU uh, <laughs> to the TCU fans, but truly being a hero to everyone else. Oh, uh, if we board, beat TCU, you know, it's uh, everybody's going to be on the Gary Patterson board and, and, and they will, they will probably want to remove that statue ASAP if, if Baylor wins that game this year, but uh, take it to Waco. It's all entertaining, man. We love it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's what makes college sports great. I mean, I, I do love that aspect. You would never see this in the past, but now in today's mercenary free agency, you know, Kendall Bryles at, at TCU and Gary Patterson at Baylor, it, it all makes sense. It's a great time and I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, the Bears, they're giving us a lot of excitement. Um, so your first game at Foster is – are you coming for the Kansas game? Yep, I'll be there for KU and Texas. Oh, good, good. Man, I think you're going to love it. It It is such a difference maker in environment. I'm really disappointed that we lost that TCU game. You know, we're up 10 with like uh, five or six minutes left. Didn't close that one out in TCU – uh, gets the honor of, of having the first win at, at uh, Foster. Hopefully the only win this year, at least for the men. Uh, I know the women have dropped a couple games. But uh, it, it's, it's such a difference maker. I, I think we lose a couple of those home games at Farrell. And I, you know, I just think that this uh, atmosphere is going to get better and better. The students were on their A game for the Iowa State game, Texas Tech. And I think they're going to be really rowdy for you know OU and, and uh, Houston and Kansas. It's going to be a tough place to go in and get a victory. I mean, we're playing, you know, top 15, top 10 teams there, so uh, it's hard to beat them, and, and you certainly could lose. But if, if the Bears can go 8-1 and one at home and uh, still a couple on the road, you know, go 6-3 and three the next nine, then you like their chances. I mean, I, I think 12-6 and six may share a conference title. You, th- you think it's going to be 13-5, and five, or do you think 12-6 and six can do it? I think probably 13-5, and five, but that's the KU formula. When yeah. all your home games are maybe drop one and then – get to 500 on the road and you've got a great shot to win the league. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think Baylor's now on pretty equal footing with KU as far as that's concerned. I mean, they're not uh, dominating teams at home like KU is. Uh, hopefully that'll come as they get more used to foster and, and our fans, you know, become better fans uh, because of it. But uh, I do, I do think that this is a, a great equalizer and really gives Scott Drew that opportunity to, to be neck and neck with KU, if you know if the talent and the uh, coaching are pretty equal, which I think it is, you know I think I think he, you know Scott has a really good shot to, you know claim league titles. Obviously, Kelvin Sampson's a great coach as well. But but to, I've said this before on podcasts, maybe one with you. I feel like Houston is a little bit like those old West Virginia teams with Javon Carter, and I'd have to go back and check. You know, someone could probably correct me about this if I'm if I'm wrong. But it's, I have this memory. That like you know West Virginia was always like seven and two or eight and one through the first nine games of the Big Twelve season, either in second place or in first place at the turn, and then went four and five the next nine. Um, I I do think there's like that you know you are playing this intense pressurized defense and then teams adjust and get better at at, at uh, picking that apart the second half of, of uh, conference. Uh, do you think there's something to that theory? I think there's a potential there, and I think Houston's just inability to shoot. Uh, Ken Palm and his sub-stack that he's got now since every writer's got a sub-stack. I guess Seth Davis is now on it, too, <laughs> after the messenger went belly up after like two months of him and Jeff Goodman being there. Yeah. He mentioned that Houston's like sub-200 in shooting and that no team that shoots that poorly 
uh, has ever won a national title or really even been that close. Right. So, yeah, there's something very dangerous to being a little bit better version of West Virginia. At the same time, if you get close, you just worry that are they going to call you for fouls when you're grabbing everybody on all those blitzes they do against pick and rolls. So right. I think there is a ceiling to Houston. And C.J. Moore of The Athletic, a uh, friend of Baylor as well, he's been kind of down on Houston. I was very up on them after some of their earlier games. And there's just something weird to me about you pound all the bad teams by 30, but you haven't been able to really put away any of the good teams. Uh, but, you know, credit to them. They were the team that was able to just mollywop K-State where everybody else wasn't able to do it. But uh, my, my hot take the second half of the season is I don't think Houston will be the outright champion. And, you know, Jerome Tang's a great coach. I like Austin Carpenter a lot, too. I don't think K-State's making the tournament. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. And and you know, Houston hasn't played the tougher teams at home yet. I mean, they their their home slate has been, you know, probably the easiest of all the Big 12 teams. They played Oklahoma State, killed them. Kansas State killed them. Uh UCF beat them by 15, beat Tech by 23. That's a that's a good impressive win. Beat West Virginia by 34. Uh so those are their their home games. And, you know, away, they, they do have two good victories in their pocket. You know, both games could have gone either way. You know, they beat Texas in overtime, uh, ended by winning, winning by four in that one. And then BYU, they, they end up beating by seven. But, uh, you know, Nell has a shot, a three-pointer, you know, that would have made a difference in, in that game uh, that was wide open. He missed it. Um, so, you know, they, they, they got to go on the road to Cincinnati. That's going to be a tough out. And then they got Baylor. That's going to be a hard one for them to win at Oklahoma and then at UCF. But their home games, they got Texas at home. They got Iowa State at home. They got Cincinnati at home. And then they got Kansas at home. So those are those are the tougher opponents in the Big 12 uh, outside of, you know, Baylor um, you know, and BYU. They don't play BYU at home. But, but, but I think yeah, my point is that uh, they could take some L's at home because uh, they're going to be playing, be playing some tougher teams at home than they have the first uh, f- first uh, nine games of conference, and you know they certainly have some road games they can lose too. So, so they are projected at thirteen and five, but I'll say Houston finishes twelve and six or eleven and uh, eleven and seven. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, I, I really think it's still you know Baylor and Kansas as the two most probable teams that would win this league, and and maybe Iowa State. You know, Iowa State's probably in that conversation as well. They're they're tough. Yep, I don't think Texas gets anywhere near that metric, and I think they've been kind of a fool's goal the last couple of weeks, so I expect the Longhorns. I'm all in on that take that they ain't making the dance. They got hot for a couple of weeks. They shouldn't have beat Baylor. It's not happening for Texas. Sell any stock you've been able to buy lately. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did um, uh, beat TCU, um, which was a little surprising. Abram got hot, you know. Uh, so, you know, they've lost three of their last four four games uh but but they did knock off tcu and then they got west virginia at home uh this this saturday they should win that one but yeah i agree with you i, th- I think it's going to be tough for um you know texas is probably going to finish eight and ten in conference uh they're four and six right now and if you finish eight and ten uh you're putting yourself in a bad position because their non-conference schedule was absolutely atrocious um they have they have a win against lsu on a neutral court that's their only, like, um, you know, top 175 win on their schedule uh, in non-conference. Uh, well, I guess UT Arlington and UNC Greensboro are, are decent, so so they do have some. They do have a couple wins there. 
but but no right, top. But obviously, you'd you'd hate to be at the. You're not you, if you're you, Texas when the your bid sheet comes up. Yeah, and you'd hate for somebody to chime in. Oh, the UNC Greensboro win. Right. Yeah, you're in, if you're eight, over, you know, if you're eight else. and ten, yeah, you're 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 putting yourself on really shaky ground. TCU's in the same boat, you know. TCU um, has nothing in the non-conference because their schedule was so horrible, and you know they beat Arizona State, but they're a terrible team. They got no top one hundred wins, and you know they're also, uh, you know, kind of kind of on that, you know, could go either way. I mean, they they may finish nine and nine. That may be good enough to get them in. If they finish ten and eight, I certainly think they're in. But if they finish eight and ten, you know, I think that's another one you wouldn't feel comfortable on Selection Sunday. It's why I mention every year that I think it's dangerous to play that game where you schedule two teams you expect to be great. Yeah, and then you go the Chris Beard, everyone else's sub three hundred Ken Palm. Yeah, team. Texas yeah. assumed Louisville would turn it around and couldn't be that bad again. Somehow Louisville worse than ever. Yeah, I know it's it's uh you're putting yourself in a bad situation, and and now TCU's got to go to Iowa State you know that's probably a loss for them uh they have you know West Virginia and Kansas State you know they may win both of those but then you got to go to Texas Tech uh that's certainly not an easy game and you know Cincinnati Baylor BYU I mean they they're easy their schedule's easier at the end of the season than some some teams but uh yeah they they got to do some work still to get in the tournament well we know Baylor's Baylor's on a good track uh you know Baylor looks like they are definitely headed back to the NCAA tournament. Not not for sure yet. They got to win some more games. But uh, I think you know if if they can uh, go two and two or three and one on this next four game stretch as we head into that Houston game, I think they're in pretty good shape. And uh, let's hope for good things. Thank you, Kendall, for doing this podcast. You've been listening to a Sikkim three sixty five ring before a ring by spring podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Cout. Sikkim Bears. Always a pleasure, Ashley.